0: Wherever you are, if you have a, a Bible close by or a Bible app on your phone or tablet, I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 1 through 5. I uh, told one of, our, one of our folks here, and i uh, so thankful for those who are here to, to, to lead and to carry out, take care of the technological stuff that Uh, we need to do to make this happen but I told one of them earlier I said talk about a sermon that I've written and rewritten (laughs) as the week has gone on and um, you know none of us really expected to be here where we are last week but here we are and yet the relevance of God's Word is that this passage and this topic, the peace of God, although though the way I present it, the way I talk about it, uh, has changed from what I initially planned, it is still completely relevant. It was relevant uh, almost 2,000 years ago when the Apostle Paul wrote these words, and it's relevant today. So please follow along on the screen or in your copy of God's Word as I as I read Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we now boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Of all the things the world needs right now, peace must be at the very top of that list. We live in a very unpeaceful world, (laughs) a world where people are fighting in the aisles over toilet paper, and they don't even know why. (laughs) They're just doing it because of panic, because of fear, uh, because everyone else is doing it. And peace is so important. All of us have to make peace with God before we can be at peace with ourselves or anyone else. True peace, not just the cessation of war, not just a, you know, a a little time where we say say we're going to have a ceasefire, but true peace, we need peace with God to have that kind of peace in our lives. And so Paul here talks about exactly what we need to have that peace. He says you have to be justified through faith. Now, that's a that's a big theological word. I've heard it explained as justification as just as if I'd never sinned. Well, that's a good stab at it, but that really doesn't tell the whole picture. It's not just as if God looked at you and said not guilty or looked at you and said pardoned. Because a judge may speak those words of not guilty or, or pardoned, but... That, there's no personal relationship with that judge whatsoever. But the justification we have with God goes far beyond a simple legal pronouncement that we're not guilty because of the blood of Christ. It means that God has taken us into his care, into his family. And so if you've never made peace with God, by all means, this is the time. And we, we've all heard this, right? I grew up watching Looney Tunes and, and seeing Yosemite Sam look at Bugs Bunny and say and he'd say, Say your prayers, rabbit. We, we all know that before we die, before we meet our Maker, we, we better come to peace with him. And if you delayed doing that, why? Why not trust him right now? Because I can guarantee you he's the only one that's truly in control. He's the only one who is not caught off guard or by surprise by all this mess. Well, Paul says, since we've been justified through faith, okay, so we've been made right with God. We've been brought into a a reconciled relationship with a God who we were once in rebellion and we kept away at arm's length. Now we've been brought close to God. Through faith, not through our own works, not because we were the best goody two shoes around, but through faith in Jesus and His work. What he did for us, that's what's important. He says, Therefore, because of that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer at war with our Maker, with our Creator, the Lord of the universe. And that is an amazing thought. That is an amazing bit of knowledge to understand that there is now peace. Not just the, hey, we're not warring with one another. But far beyond that, that God has brought us in. And so the question is going to come to mind for a lot of us, though. Well, Pastor Tim, if we're at peace with God, why don't I experience peace? Why am I not feeling that peace? It's great for you to tell me that I've got peace. But why am I not feeling it? Well, there's a key to experiencing that peace that is the birthright of every believer, but yet we don't often experience because we don't do what God tells us to do. What he tells us to do is that we come to him and we give him every burden. Uh, We give him every petition, every prayer, every request, And then what God says, according to the Apostle Paul in one of his other letters, he says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, even though we have peace with God, we may not experience it. We we may be freaking out. We may be panicking because we are not living out that peace with God. And God says, you've got peace with me, but to experience that peace, you've got to talk to me. you got to acknowledge that I'm the one in control. You see, every time there's a tough time in our life, every time there's a difficulty in our life, we have a choice, panic or prayer. Panic is when we try to take all this stuff on ourselves and say, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, how am I going to solve it? Oh, by the way, I'm not... Uh, talking against good old-fashioned common sense, using wisdom, making smart decisions. Um, you know, the use of wisdom was we used our best, made our best decision to do things the way we're doing them today, okay? So, yes, we use common sense. We, we do those things, but, but there's a lot of things that are out of our control. And that's why I say it's panic or prayer. If I can't control it, if I can't really do anything about it, I can panic and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't do anything about this," or I can pray and I can say, "Oh my God, you're in control, God." I call out to you. I give this to you. And God, I know you can handle it. I'm weak, but you're strong. You've you've got big hands. You've got the whole world in your hands. As we just heard saying, you know, that's our choice. And I want to encourage you, whether you're watching this live or, like I said, a few days from now, whenever you're watching it, to stop right now and ask yourself, am, am I panicking or am I praying? Am I choosing to lay this thing before God, saying, God... By the wisdom you have gave me and the ability you gave me, I've done what I need to do. But there's a lot of this not in my hands, out of my control. So, God, I'm giving this burden to you. And as we do that, as we bring our burdens to the cross, as we present them to God, he says, okay, I'm going to give you a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that the people around you are not going to get. They're not going to understand how can, how can she act that way? How can he have it together? How, how can they be full of joy in the middle of what we're going through? And that's God's peace. You know, God never promised us that we will not go through valleys. He promises he'll be with us in the valley. He promises that wherever we walk, even if it's through that valley of the shadow of death, that he's going to be here for us. And so I want you to to focus on that presence of God, the peace that you have with him and the peace that you can have through him. You have the peace of God or you have peace with God and you can experience the peace of God as you give your burdens to him. I want you to imagine um, two different visits to the lawyer. Visit number one, your lawyer calls and uh, we'll, we'll just say it's, uh, you have a, a female a woman uh, who's your lawyer. So she calls and she says, hey, I need you to come in. We got some, we got some more stuff that we need to, to deal with. And um, who knows what you're going through custody battle, um, maybe you're you're going through a lawsuit, um, you know, some kind of legal trouble that you're in, whatever it is, and you appreciate the lawyer, you know, she does a good job, you, you're thankful for her, but you think, man, <laughs> I gotta squeeze some of my time, my valuable time to go see her and and I'm going to get down there, and the whole time you're thinking what other things you could be doing, even as you're signing page after page after page. And if you've ever closed on a loan, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you know it's one of those kind of things. And um, you're there, but your mind's somewhere else. I mean, <laughs> you'd really rather be somewhere else. Scenario number two. The same lawyer calls you, but it's a different reason. She says, hey... I want you to know, Mark, guess what? <laughs> You've got a long-lost relative, and uh, I'm sorry to say this. I, I don't know how much it'll affect you because I don't think you even knew they existed, but they passed away, but they left everything they had to you, and um, everything they had was a lot more than you have, <laughs> and uh said is, is there a convenient time in the next I don't know week or two or month that you could come see me and you're like oh let me check yes right now right now no I can't see you right now when is the first available time that I can get down there and she gives you a time and you wait all day you anticipate you're doing your other things in your job and your family and but you're thinking about I can't wait to get down there I can't wait to, to see what is going to be in store for me when I get down there to receive this inheritance. Now, I want you to subtract lawyer and appointment at the law firm and add in God and appointment time with him. Too many of us, we see time with God as something that's on our to-do list We check it off. I did it. Had my quiet time. But uh, it kind of cuts short because we're worrying about everything else. And, you know, we, 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 we really just do it as a matter of habit or duty too often. And instead, God has something so much better. He said, I have given you a great inheritance as a believer. I have so much for you. God has everything, and he wants you to have life. Jesus said, I I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. God says, I've got more than you could possibly imagine waiting for you. And if we would ever get that mindset, rather than just, here's something I got to do, it'd be, I can't wait. I can't wait to get with you, Lord. So, if there's ever a time to reevaluate your prayer life and your relationship with God, I'm not only talking to those who are unbelievers and and urging and, and, and calling them to say, come to Christ, believe in him that he gave his life, his son's life on the cross for you. But I'm saying believers, Men and women, boys and girls who who put their trust in Jesus Christ, you and I, we need to reevaluate. What is my time with God to me? How important is it? How am I drawing near? We're in that time of Lent. And people often give something up for Lent, right? But sometimes I wonder... How much connection that has to do with an actual relationship to God. Imagine if I went home this afternoon and I said, Hey, Denise, I want you to know that, um, you know, I am giving up um, mowing the grass for you. I just want you to know I've made this sacrifice for you. She kind of looked at me funny and okay, (laughs) not sure what you're doing here. But what if I said, Denise, I want you to know um, something I really love. I'm going to give that up so that I can take that time and spend that time investing in our relationship and showing you how much I love you. Now, that would be meaningful to her. Right now, don't give God a pittance. Don't say, oh, God, I'm going to give up Cokes for you or chocolate for you. Or, uh, Okay, I'm not criticizing you if that's what you gave up for Lent. But it doesn't impress God that you gave up a Coke or a chocolate or whatever He's not impressed by your willpower God is rather seeking as he as you are a child of his because you have peace with God through Jesus Christ you are a part of the family what God is excited about is to see when you when you look at your life and you say God this is something that's you know it's it's really extraneous, extraneous it's really meaningless it's It's really something that's a waste of my time, and I haven't spent enough time with you, God. And I'm going to get rid of that, not so I can brag to others or clean up my schedule, but because I want to invest more time in my relationship with you. I encourage you to think about your life in that way. This short passage talks about three of the most important things we have as believers. The first one we've Focused on and talked about the most is peace. But he also talks about hope. Listen to this. He says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we also glory in sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Now, how does that work? How can the apostles say, hey, when tough times come our way, we actually, there's a part of us that actually gets excited. Not that we were bringing them on ourselves, not that we were trying to bring ourselves into pain, but the fact is when there's a situation in our life which is out of control and it's going to cause our world to be different and cause things to be different, we actually get a little bit excited, Paul said, because we know what's going to come out of this. We're not excited about the the pain or difficulty or hardship that we're experiencing right now. We're excited about what God is going to bring out of it. Paul tells us there's a process here, and it's from A to B, from B to C, from C to D. And if you follow the inevitable process as it plods along, as it continues along, there's something amazing it may start with tragedy, it may start with difficulty, but at the end, we have this amazing biblical hope. Here's how he said it works. He says, suffering produces perseverance. Now, here's the thing. All of this is assuming that we're walking with God. <laughs> There's a lot of people that suffer and <clears throat> they don't learn how to persevere because they don't have the right attitude through it. They're not depending upon the Lord. But suffering, when we go through it, and, and folks, there's, there's some people that are really and truly suffering right now. Some of them have the actual disease, and they're, they're wondering, will I make it or will I not? They're concerned for their family members. There's a lot of folks that are suffering deeply economically right now. Their job is at stake. And you may be one of those listening today. Or maybe you know the bottom line is just not going to look good this quarter or the next. And it may be a long time, <clears throat> excuse me, until it ever looks the same. And God says, through suffering, as you rely on me, as you call on me, as you trust in me by giving me those prayers, those petitions, those requests, God says that produces perseverance in your life. You don't just give up. You don't just quit. You don't just flake out on everybody. Even though you're weak and even though you have doubts and fears and concerns, you give those things to God. And you keep on keeping on because you keep on trusting Him. And Paul says, as we do that through suffering, through tough times, that produces perseverance in our lives. And he says... And that perseverance produces character. We become more virtuous. We become men and women of greater character. We're not just shallow, trite Christians who who just throw out little phrases. but, But there's some depth that is built in our life as we persevere through the sufferings. And so character is built. And Paul says, and then character produces hope. As we understand what God has done, how he has taken us through these tough times where we've suffered, and we have relied on him and come to him, and so that has produced perseverance, and that perseverance has continued and built up character in our life. Paul says the end result of that is hope. And when he says hope, he's talking about biblical hope. This is different from the way we use the word hope today. Because we use the word hope in our society as an identical word for wish. Like, I don't know if it's going to happen, if it's not. I hope this will happen. I wish this will happen. For us, those two things mean the same. But God's hope here is very different. It is a certainty based on what we've been through with God. We have seen his hand as he has held us, as he has guided us, as as he has walked with us through those valleys. Through the suffering, as he's produced perseverance, as he's come through for us and developed character, as, as he has walked with us through everything, we develop a sure and certain hope. That is, we have a confidence that no matter how bad things are in this life, that we can look ahead and we know, hey, not only is God with me now, not only do I have the confidence that he'll never leave me or forsake me, but I also have the confidence that God has good things ahead. Whatever happens in in the rest of my life, whether it's more hills or more valleys or a lot of plains, somewhere in between, it doesn't matter because I know one day God has something great for me in store. And so these tough times, really difficult, really awful times that we go through in life, God says a Christian is the only one who's not out of his mind that can actually look at this and kind of have a smile about it. Not because we're folks who who want to be pained, that we like hardship, but rather that we know no matter how deep our pain runs, God's not going to waste any of it. He's going to do something with all of us. So we have peace with God through a relationship with him. We experience that peace as we bring our burdens and our troubles to God. And we have hope as we walk with God through these tough times because we know he's faithful, he's true, and his promises never fail. He's been with us and he's going to continue to be with us. And we've got something better to look forward to. Him walking through this life with us, but then an eternity with him in the next life. And then finally, he talks about love. Peace, hope, and love. You know, over in Hebrews, a very famous chapter. Hebrews, I mean, not excuse me, not Hebrews, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love known as the love chapter. We often read it at weddings. <laughs> But and, and that's appropriate, that's fine. Weddings were the furthest thing from Paul's mind. He was talking about it to a bunch of church folks who didn't always know how to get along because they were more focused on the gifts they had than the God who gave them that gift. And, and, and how they would choose to use those gifts to build themselves up rather than how God intended their gifts to build the church up. So in the middle of this huge discussion about how we're to use the spiritual gifts God gives us, and that's in chapters 12 and chapters 14. Paul just kind of calls a timeout. (laughs) He says, hold on. (laughs) Let's, Let's interrupt this whole discussion about all these gifts, and let's talk about what's most important. And he gives us this whole chapter on love. And at the end of that chapter, he says, These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love comes from God. And we most fully know love when we most fully know God and express that love. We receive it from him and we express it to others. Paul puts it this way. He says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You know, just a couple of verses down, Paul says one of his most famous lines when he says, But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, Man, people won't even hardly die for a good person, much less a, a worthless nobody. And Paul said, To God, you know, we, we didn't have anything that God needed, there was no ulterior motive in God sending his son to die on the cross to save us. It didn't benefit him anyway except that he loved us so greatly and he wanted to share and he wants to share that love with us. And here Paul says that love that we saw on the cross, that ultimate sacrifice, God just pours out that love to us through his Holy Spirit. you and I to be loving people. And our love is going to be tested in the days ahead (laughs) in ways that we've never seen it quite tested before because we're all a little out of sorts. We're, We're all out of our routine. We're all wondering, what's next? This is not life as we know it. And so our love is going to be tested. And God says if you're afraid of running out if your love tank is getting low please understand that you have uh, an unending source of love that i am ready to pour into you and that's the holy spirit that as we commune with god instead of spending all of our time fretting and worrying and helping the ratings on the network news to go up. Step away from some of that and just say, God, thank you for your love. I'm reminded of that ultimate expression of love as Jesus died on the cross for me. And God, I know I want to thank you for your spirit that you've given me. The Bible tells us that every believer has been embodied by the Spirit of God. Now, some of us, the Bible says, quench that Spirit. We grieve that Spirit. God's in us. He has His Spirit hasn't left us. But we've kind of minimalized and pushed His Spirit to the side because we haven't been walking and talking with Him. But God's desire is for His Spirit in us to be filled. And when it, uh, when it is... Uh, we will walk as the way God wants us to walk, talk the way he wants us to talk. We will love the way God wants us to love. You know, I don't know exactly what the days ahead have for us. I can, uh, I can go ahead and safely say uh, we won't have activities on Wednesday night here at the church other than our leadership uh, will meet, our session will meet, and um, we'll pray and discuss and talk about the future. And, and um, you know, we don't know how long things are going to go on in this state that they are. But I'm going to tell you that the church is not shut down because our services are online. The church is active in the community. We gather together. Today, it's a little bit different because we've gathered electronically. But we gather together together to be refueled, to be brought together, closer together with one another and closer together with God so that we can scatter and be God's hands and feet in this world. And that's not going to stop. We may do things a little bit differently, but God's spirit and his power and his people are not limited by a disease. They are not constrained. But our circumstances are going to be different, and it's going to be week to week, and we'll come back and tell you, and, and hopefully we're going to do some extra and some new things, some different things as a church than we've ever done before, and, and we'll learn to adapt to these conditions. But I can tell you this. God is still on the throne. <laughs> if you've put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, then your name is still in the Lamb's book of life. And really, that's all we need to know. God's in control, and his love for you has not changed. And so we continue to walk with him, calling on him, trusting him. I'm not going to sit here and say that believers are immune from the effects of coronavirus or any of the other ills in this world. We're not. But we have God with us. And what the coronavirus or any other trouble cannot touch is our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is secure, it is eternal, God has us in his hands, and he says, no man, no one can take you out of my hands. Today has been declared a a day of prayer. And I hope that, again, wherever you are watching, that you would would take this time not just to watch, but to pray. And if you're gathered with your family or neighbors or friends, pray together. Uh, Pray for all those who certainly, all those uh, who are physically affected, that is, they or their family members actually have the coronavirus. Pray for all those who are in positions of authority in all levels whether that be uh, national, state, local government, folks over the school systems, um, pastors and and elders and other church leaders, all of us who are having to make decisions we never thought we'd have to make. Pray for all who are going to truly suffer and go through very tough times through this. But ultimately, I want to say Uh, All those things are good things to pray for, but don't forget to pray for the work of the Lord. God's going to do some things in this that are unexpected. There's going to be some stuff come out of this that we've never seen before, that we've never heard of before. I was on Facebook this morning and I saw a video of a worship service that broke out in a Sam's Club in Dothan, Alabama somebody started playing on the electronic keyboard some other folks wandered over and before you know it they're there in the middle of sam's club praising and worshiping god god's going to do some things through this and i want to encourage you to pray that god would use you that he would direct you and guide you that you'd be fully available and open to whatever he has for you that you'd be Saying, God, all this is not what I expected, not what I planned. It's messed up my plans. But, God, it's about your plans. And I'm ready to be used however you want to use me. And so let's close out our time together today by praying, by calling on the Lord. And as you listen and pray with me, I encourage you, wherever you are, to go beyond. When the video stops, don't let that be the end of your worship, but to continue to gather and to pray and and seek God's face through whatever he does in this time. Let's go to the Lord. God, we come to you never more sure of our place on the, on the totem pole. Never more sure uh, of the certainty and truth of your words that, that tell us that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways, God, above our ways. The prophet Isaiah told us that. Lord, this is beyond us, but it's not beyond you. And so, Lord God, right now we lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering in many places. And some of them have simply gone from one type of suffering to the next. They were being oppressed uh, politically or in other ways. And, and now that's off the radar, off of everybody's news. And now they're, they're simply struggling with some very difficult times. Lord, we pray for health care providers, Lord, that they love and care for others enough that they put themselves at risk so that others might be healed. God, we applaud that courageousness, and God, we ask, Lord, that you would protect them and provide for them, and God, God, may you Bring them close to you in your presence. Lord, for those whose physical condition puts them at greatest risk. Lord, we ask that you'd put a special hedge of protection around them. Lord, I pray that uh, everyone would use, Lord, good sense that they would use wisdom and discernment, and ultimately they would know that we can make all the plans in the world, but just like you tell us in the book of James, all we can really say is, if the Lord wills, here's what we plan. May that phrase, Lord willing, be constantly in our minds, even as we try to plan and prepare for the future, understanding that we're not in control. You are, God. Lord, help us to be the light in a dark world. May our faith, our peace, our hope, and our love shine through us. May others see Jesus in us. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.